We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello again, Courtney. Hi, Craig. How are you going? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Excellent. Another another week, another podcast. That's right. Yeah. We've got to keep them pumping out, don't we? That's right. <laughs> got to give the listeners what they want. That's right. Or, or what we think they want. Yeah, what we think they want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a second podcast from our series that we recorded down in Bunbury with the Doors Wide Open crew. That's right. Number two. Number Exciting two. to get this one out. This one is... Uh, Pretty fascinating, I think. Yeah. It's a fascinating story and it's an overwhelming story. So I think in this intro we do need to put out a warning. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess it's a very intense story. Um, you might need to sit down to listen to it. Yeah, specific trigger warning. So first of all, I should say we're speaking with a girl called Miranda. Yes. Who was very open with us and shared a pretty disturbing at times story of what she's been through but also a very interesting and um positive outcome in the end story. yeah quite inspiring to, to inspiring hear yeah come, that's come through that yeah so yeah specific warnings for things like domestic violence yep. drug use um suicide gore yeah there's yeah. Quite, some quite graphic, graphic explanations word, yeah. about certain things that happened yep um you know, but yeah, we'll let you guys have a listen. Um, but yeah, if, if any of those things may upset you, then this might be one to avoid. But yes. If you do listen, then but I you think can always just listen to our ending as well because we'll probably have a brief summary of what happens and our feelings, and you can live yeah. vicariously through us. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, without any further delay, please enjoy our chat with Miranda. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Miranda to the podcast. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's great that you could come and chat with us today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously just to provide a bit of context for the listeners, we're doing a series down in mm. Bunbury mm-hmm. and um, loosely based nah. around, that's all right, um, <laughs> participants, uh, people who've been through Doors Wide Open and you guys are all now peer support workers there. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah okay. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Like maybe start with what you're doing at the moment and then we'll maybe go back and see what your journey's been to sure. get there. Yeah, so at the moment I am a peer support worker for our Housing First Support Service program that's run through doors. So um, I don't really work out of the building as such. I'm usually out on the street mm-hmm. um, looking for people that are rough sleeping Um you know homeless um so i've been doing that now for seven months um and yeah it it started as a bit of a hunt for for these people (laughs) because they're actually really clever and resilient to find um places where they can't be harmed um or bothered so um since then we've built uh rapport with all these people and slowly helping them to uh gain access to housing or, you know, even apply for uh, yeah. social housing or even the private rental market. So just um, mm. for people who might not be familiar with the term housing first, can you give us a bit of a definition of what that means? Ah, yeah. Um, so it's a new initiative and um, we actually work alongside Anglicare and Breakaway. Um, so we all come together, Doors, Anglicare and Breakaway as a team um, and that's how the programs run. So the how it was supposed to work was that we get the housing first for people um, and then we can support them to um, recover from whatever it is that they're wanting to recover from. Okay. Um, that program was built on a healthy private rental market. So mm-hmm. it's not working exactly how um, it was designed to, but we have um, successfully housed a few people. Okay. And, and is, it, is it not working because of COVID? Because of the housing crisis. Yeah, yeah everything's yeah. gone in price and there's a shortage well, of that's rentals. That's right, yeah, yeah. Even if there was private rentals available, they're, mm. they're just not affordable at the moment. So who provides the housing that you guys are able to find for some of your clients? Um, anyone from Housing Choices, Department of Housing, um, and, yeah, if we find any private... Um, rentals then we can certainly help them to apply yeah but we don't have yet anyone set 
um, to provide any housing. Okay. Yeah, so there's a shortage at the moment and you guys are just doing your best. We're doing our best. By any yeah. way yeah. that you can. Yeah. Okay. And um, how do you find the people? So you said it was like difficult to... Sometimes to it could be difficult. People. Yeah. Like where do you even start? Uh, well, um, when we did start, the Graham Bricknell Shell was the go-to place. Mm-hmm. It's been in the news um, a few months ago um, a couple of times about how it was a bit of a campsite for um, some of our rough sleepers. So mm-hmm. that was where we started. Um, and I won't give too much more away about some of the other safe places. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's local knowledge and there's lived experience knowledge that helps you guys connect with people who need the help. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have been through drug addiction um, and I've also had times where I haven't had a home. Yeah, yeah. okay. And so that knowledge helps you find people in similar positions. To yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You can sort of... Um, get inside your your head from back then and go, okay, where where would I go if I needed to be safe, um, you know, at night and know that I could actually close my eyes and go to sleep and yep. not, not be harmed. Yep. Okay. It's been helpful. So if you're on that theme, if you're happy to talk about what those times and kind of what led to those times. Wait, before we get to that, because yeah. uh, there's like lots of little different branches of, of doors, why did you decide to go for housing first? Is that like... Something that you're passionate about? Um, yeah, or, at yeah. the time when it was offered to me, I was doing my Cert 4 in mental health. Yep. Um, and, it, yeah, it came up without me really planning to start work at all, actually. Um, but it sounded fun um, and it sounded fulfilling. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I just thought I might give it a go. The hours mm-hmm. were going to work with the kids. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, was a... Instead of throwing myself back into like full time work, um, it was a good start to exercise the knowledge that I had lived through, mm-hmm. and plus the study that I've done. Yeah, yeah, cool. Mm. All right, yeah, we can continue right. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you want to take us back to the start, maybe I mean I don't know if it relates to your family situation growing up, or if there are other factors that kind of you I know, think, contributed. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of reasons, I suppose, mm. um, that I first tried drugs mm-hmm. um i was going through a bit of a um quarter life crisis i think um i i was really successful at the work that i was doing back then i was working in real estate um i was doing really well at it um i had enough money i had bought a house by the time i was 18 um i had a great partner um and I was really, really physically fit. Um, I ate really good food. But I just I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy. And um, a lot of things happened from there. I, um, I saw my doctor about it um, and he's like, okay, yep, we're going to prescribe you this. And being young and naive, I was like, okay, that's going to fix it. Mm. Um, so started taking prescription medication. And then so, you know, a couple of weeks would pass and I'd go back and I'm like, I still don't feel right. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, well, let's try this instead. And we went through that for um, weeks and we went through probably every antidepressant, antipsychotic and um, benzodiazepine known to man. Did you have a diagnosis? Like did they tell you what they thought you were? Depression, anxiety um, at the time, I think. Um, it's a bit hard to remember some of it because mm-hmm. they had me on – all three, like so, they okay. had me on um, mm-hmm. antidepressants, atypical um, antipsychotics, which are more your like sedative type, and yeah. benzodiazepines. Yeah, like and that can really like yeah. knock you out as yeah. well. Like, yeah, on really really high doses. Like at one point, I was on um, nine hundred milligrams of Seroquel a day, plus wow. Xanax, plus Lexapro, and plus Valium. So it's quite a yeah, cocktail. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. my yeah. mental health um, from doing that and trusting the doctor. I'm not saying you shouldn't trust your doctor, <laughs> but yeah. for, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, my mental health went a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Haywire. It didn't work for you. Yeah. And um, I end up losing my job because of an accidental overdose. Okay. Um, at my real estate, so um, that was heartbreaking. And then um, lost my partner, lost my house, 
okay. and all of that thing. So it all just was going downhill, downhill, downhill. Can I just ask the circumstances of the accidental overdose? Mm. Was that something that happened at work or was... I was on my lunch break um, and I don't know why because um, those drugs can really uh, affect the way you're able to um, process um, your thoughts properly. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I just took everything that I had, and mm-hmm. but then I went back to work. Right, okay. Right. So I don't think I wanted to die because um, mm-hmm. I went back to work. And then I started feeling really weird and I was trying to, like, do my work on the computer, typing away on my hall, yeah. mm. not feeling great. Went to my colleague's office and I said, I think I've made a mistake. Um, and I had written down what I'd taken and I passed her the note. And I sat down and that's when I lost consciousness. Okay. Um, and they had an ambulance take me out on a stretcher. Yeah. So it was very embarrassing as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I lost my job after that, okay. which was really, really sad because I, I really loved real estate. Um, yeah. But yeah, so after that, I had met um, someone um, and it happened to be my best friend at the time, um, her brother. We were, we were really good friends. Um, me and this girl, we're, we're not anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he was just fun and he was new. He was exciting. He was not like anyone that I'd known before. Um really laid back, really charming. And um, I'd sort of, yeah, started leaning pretty heavily on him at that point in time because my life was just like <laughs> falling into dust. Yeah. And um, he had talked about meth before um, and I was like, what's it like, you know? Um, and mm. he, he tried to explain it. He's like, but I don't want you to try it, you know, because I've watched a lot of people disappear on it mm. and I don't want you to disappear. And I didn't know what that meant. Um, but anyway, I ended up trying it. He ended up getting it for me. And I remember the first time, and we didn't really do much. Like, mm-hmm. we just were awake for a long time. And, um, yeah, the next morning when it was starting to, like, wear off, I suppose, I, I remember feeling, like, the pain in my back and the pain in my legs. And I was like, man, this isn't fun. Like, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> Why do you do this all the time? Like... Um, but anyway, I did it again mm-hmm. and I kept doing it. Yeah. Um, and we, I eventually moved in with him, um, after yeah, not very long, um, because I was, yeah, madly head over heels for him and yeah, just how exciting and different life with him was. So yeah, that happened. And then the domestic violence started as well. Okay. And, um, we were selling drugs, taking drugs, selling drugs, taking drugs, mm-hmm. working full time, um, and then he stopped working. And then I was expected to keep paying for everything, keep the household light running, and right. okay, you know. Um, so it was really, really hard for a bit. Yeah. Um, and we end up getting kicked out of that house because he just trashed it, you know. Okay. Um, axes through door, chainsaws through doors, like. Um, yeah, lots of things that were broken and just so much trash. Um, and I'd never lived like that before. Um, so it was really, really embarrassing. And we'd actually got that house through the real estate that I had worked at. Right, okay. Right. Which was even worse again. Yeah. Because ex-colleagues and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was It was really embarrassing, but I, I had no control over it. Like, I tried my best, but, mm. you know. Um, there was someone else that was out of control. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So then we moved out of town, out to Mileup. Um, I managed to get a, a house out there. I don't know how I managed <laughs> that, but I did. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea was that we were going to stop using, you know, and this, this whole span of time had been like, I think 18 months okay. over yeah. this whole conversation. Um, and, yeah, we'd, we'd been through the ringer, man. We really had um, with our mental health and our drug addictions and um, the, the violence and things like, mm-hmm. you know, I've had guns held to my head um, so many times. Right. By from, different people or by this? By him. By him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and knives and um, wow. chainsaws and axes and uh, you name it. Yeah, you okay. Know? That's that'd be pretty traumatic in mm. itself without all the other stuff happening yeah, as well. But yeah. I still like I was still trying to save him, you know. I was trying so hard. So I got this house out a mile up and by that time like we'd been cut off um for a couple of months. Um so that kind of helped us stop. Like I didn't really 
at that point in my life I was happy to stop but he needed to be cut off, you know what I mean, to, yep. to stop. So, yeah, by the time we got out there, we'd been clean for a couple of months and, you know, things were good. He'd managed to start working again um, and things were really nice for a little bit. Um, But then I noticed the violence started picking up again. Um, So I wasn't really sure if he had dabbled again or whether that violence was just a part of who he was and now it was a part of our relationship because it had been going on so long. I didn't question it because you can't. Yeah. You know. Um, but then one night we were due to go to a, like a, you know, a little campfire on the beach with some of the new people that were meeting out in Bidding Up because um, it's only like five minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picked up that night. Okay. We decided, okay, yeah, it'd be fine just to get, you know, a point. Um, and so we did. Mm-hmm. And we shared that. We had a really good night. As you do. <laughs> um, and on the way home, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know what changed inside of me. He was looking out the window and then he looked back at me and he just started accusing me of um, all this crazy shit. And, yeah, we got home and he's like, I'm going to have to kill you. You know, I'm going to have to kill you. And for some reason we had to go back to bidding up to pick up his car. I think he must have driven there earlier. Um, so we drove back. And he got out in, and he got that car and he's like, you better follow me home. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. So we were driving back out to the highway and I was like, oh, fuck, like, what do I do, what do I do, mm-hmm. what do I do? And so I hooked it the other way mm-hmm. um, and I sped as fast as I could into Bunbury. Um, and I stayed at a um, colleague's house because I was working in real estate again but a different different place. Yep. Okay. And she was really supportive, um, so that was nice. But then um, he was just bombing my phone, you mm-hmm. know, um, with all the – at first it was, you know, violent things. And then it, as time went on it was moving to, like, him starting to say sorry and feeling the guilt and all that sort of thing. And then my phone went flat and I didn't have my charger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so in the morning um, I was due to go back um, and my friend was like, I think I might – come with you to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So we drove out there and from the front it looked like no one was home. But I knew as soon as I touched the front door that something wasn't right. And um, we went through and I started going up the stairs and then I looked up and he was coming down the stairs with a makeshift gun that he'd made. Oh. And Jeez. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> 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 and I've got, like, you know, my colleague behind me and... um. Yeah, I was just like all I could get out for the next like however long was no, like no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, mm. And I'm backing down the stairs and backing and he's like, it's all right, it's not for you this time, it's not for you this time. Like I swear I'll never hurt you again. And I was like, no, 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 no. Mm. Like, mm. Backing out onto the driveway and we're in the driveway and he's like, I need to tell you something though. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shot himself in the face. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I was still like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he didn't die straight away um, He because he repacked the shells and he hadn't put the um, the pellets in, he just mm-hmm. with powder. So um, he didn't die straight away. He, like he was not, I think he, w- he was obviously in shock, um, mm-hmm. but his heart was still going and um, his chest was still breathing. So, um, but I think he... The the cause of death was perforated eardrums and they just bled out everywhere. Okay. Um, but I held him as he as he passed, wow. and it took um, surprisingly long. Um, mm. And it was only at the point where I said, like, you you're not gonna make it. <laughs> like mm. things yeah. are not looking good for you. You know, you just shot yourself in the face. Um, mm. Like you can let go. Um, mm. You're gonna have to let go. Um, and after I'd finish that spill like that's when his heart stopped um so then there I was um on my driveway which was now like extremely dirty um from all the blood (laughs) um Mm. and I'm like 
okay, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. Um, What do I tell my real estate? Uh, What do I tell work? How do I live life without, like, where has my future just gone? Right. You know? Um, And so there was was a lot of despair, like feelings I can't even put into words there because I just couldn't believe what I just witnessed. Yeah. I couldn't, I just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, It's it's unbelievable. That's why. Because yeah, you would never expect that something like that's going to happen, right? To yeah, not to you. Like this stuff only happens in you know in the, in TV the movies. shows. Yeah. In the movies, yeah, yeah. like it's pretty extreme. Um, yeah. So, and I just felt so alone. Mm-hmm. I felt so alone. Um, and I know my mum tried to stay with me at the house because I was like, I'm not leaving this house. I need to stay here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like his presence is still here. Like. You know, I'm just trying to hold on to whatever I had. Yeah. You know, I was, like, scooping piles of blood and putting them in, like, Ziploc bags because it was all I had, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which was, yeah, not good. <laughs> you yeah, wouldn't be able to keep that, but... I did yeah. for years, actually. You did? Really? Yeah, wow. For about six years. Wow. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, which was really, really hard, like, yeah. especially when I was homeless. I was, like, ringing up my friends, like, hey, can I put my boyfriend in your freezer? Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hey, can I ask what your emotions were? Because I'm assuming they would have been mixed because you were probably a bit terrified of this mm. guy and what he was mm-hmm. doing to yeah. you and threatening to do to you. But at the same time, it sounds like you, you I felt... I loved him yeah, so much. And you felt so like a massive sense of loss and grief So it's like yeah. intense time. relief but grief at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So which one of those would you was overriding the other or were they both about the same? There was definitely a sense of relief. Um because he was, I got hurt really bad mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, um, and for like long periods of time, like you, you could, yeah, you could say it was like torture because he would just do it for hours and hours. So there was definitely mm-hmm. relief, but at the same time, like this life and this man was all, like I'd just thrown myself into for the past, you know, however long. I put so much energy into trying to save him and trying to make things better and like this house was so cool like and you know like he had everything he needed from me and I just I was yeah the grief was extreme um for a long time and I just was so lost and I just I felt so alone I know I wasn't really in reality there was you know there I don't think anyone really knew how to help me Mm -hmm. um like my brother came all the way from Basseltoon as, as soon as he heard um, and, you know, he stood there with me as I'm, like, scooping the blood up and I was like, do you think I'm, like, losing it? And he's like, I think this is just what you need to do right now to get by and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But let's hurry up before the neighbours come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, so, like, how do you help someone that I don't – there's no really written um, – pathway for that so i know there were people that i could have reached out to but i didn't want to yeah and even like trying to think of those people at the time would be yeah really Mm. hard like Like, i tried Mm. to call his mum and tell her but yeah she doesn't like me um that that whole family still actually blames me um right which was really sad so i never got to see the body once it was cleaned up at the hospital, yeah. I never got to see him in his coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got to see his ashes or anything. Right. Um, so that once he was zipped that up in that body bag, he was gone okay. forever. And just to provide a bit of context, what age are you at this stage? That was in 2014, so I am 27 now and I can't okay. do maths. So <laughs> okay, so, that, so that's about seven to eight years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you would have been a, a teenager still, probably like 19 or... Yeah, 20, I reckon. 20, 20 yeah, okay. Yeah, 19, 20, yeah. yeah. So I was pretty young still. Very young, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, from there, I guess, like, after I I told my mum to leave because she was trying to stay at the house, I was like, no, I just I need to be alone. Um, I need to get my head around it. Um and then I don't know what at point it was, but I'd found a meth pipe and some gear mm-hmm. hidden in a guitar amp. Um, and I was like, well, <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Because I was never actually, like when I was using with him, I was never actually allowed to, 
hold it or anything. Like he always held it for me and would light it. I wasn't allowed to. It wasn't women's business to mm-hmm. get involved. I was just allowed to, you know, yep. have my tokes and he would, yeah, control that. So I was sitting there. I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I like this? Like myself? Mm-hmm. Do I take, do I step over that line now mm-hmm. that he's gone? And I did. Right. Um, and then I did some more. Um, and then I was like, I don't think I can go back to work yet. Not because of that, not because of the drugs, but because like I had tried to go back to work and I think I was there like three hours and I just was a mess mm-hmm. and they told me to like, no, just go home, take some time. Yep. So I did and um, like obviously because my colleague as well, poor thing. Yeah, like, it was, was really sort of I think triggering to go to work and see her as well. Yeah. Um, so I took some time off and in that time I was like, I need a plan, like how am I going to pay rent because I don't think I can go back to work um, and like – my the Michael the the guy that had died um we had a we had a debt um so I wanted to go and talk about that with someone like do I do I pay that like do I because it was never women's business to get involved but so I went and saw someone about it um and they were like no like don't worry about it you know (laughs) what the hell yeah yeah (laughs) come here trying to like pay debts like no um and from there I sort of like networked a way that I could get my own supply. Okay. And then um, I was like, okay, well, I can't afford to just buy it all mm-hmm. the time. And so I started selling it mm-hmm. myself. Um, and keep in mind, like, I'd never done that before. I'd only mm-hmm. watched and, you know, he reiterated, like, it's not your place, you know, yeah. all that sort right. of thing. Um, and I ended up making a lot more than he ever did. And I was like, well, this is easy. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. He must have been using heaps, like, or giving away heaps. Like, what the hell was he doing with it? Yeah. And um, so I did that a lot for a while. Like, yeah, a fair while, actually. Um, and then it, everything was, like, rolling over fine. You know, I was able to pay the rent. I was able to pay the bills and um, able to pay my car, la, la, la. And then one night I fell asleep at the wheel and crashed my car at about like 240 kilometres an hour off the highway. Jeez. Jeez. Yep. Yeah. Um, didn't even get to finish my frappe that I just got. <laughs> <laughs> it went everywhere. That's a shame, yeah. I was so mad. Um, and I don't know how I survived that, but I did. Um, the car was totaled and I hadn't paid for it yet. So that was like... The start of like a series. Oh, actually, no. The the series of unfortunate events I think started before that, but this was just mm. an episode of that. Mm. And I think that's when things started sort of going downhill again from that point. Um, and, you know, and like I'm on the highway because this was just past Tringdale, and um, so I'm like, oh, is the car gonna blow up? Like I've never mm. crashed a car before. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what's gonna happen? Mm. So I'm like out in the highway and I'm like not wearing. Yeah, I'm like wearing mini shorts in a singlet or something because it's like 3 a.m. Yeah. And I'm like on the highway, like somebody help me. And I think somebody else called the police because people were too scared to pull over because they couldn't see the car. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, so the police eventually came and there was like, I think there was three or four cars mm-hmm. that came. Um, and when I saw the lights, I was like, shit, because I had a magnet box underneath the car with a bunch of gear and stuff in it. And I was like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, I managed to rip that off the bottom of the car, grab the drugs, shoved it down my shorts and, like, threw the box and, like, little clear baggies went everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they pulled up and they're like, hey, like, are you all right? And, you know, asking all the questions. Um, they didn't breath on me, didn't drug test me. Okay. Oh, interesting. Interesting yeah. for yeah. sure. I think they just saw the state of me and, like, Oh, we've got to keep an eye on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. An accident of some sort. Yeah. I think yeah. Once they they saw, yeah, because I just would have been you know bright eyed, bushy tailed yeah. at bloody three a.m. Yeah. Mm. with like full extensions and makeup and stupid shit at mm-hmm. stupid hours. They just would have thought, okay, let's keep an eye on and see what she does next. Yeah, yeah. Okay. because I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that happened and um. That all sort of spiralled as well Um, and I just ended up getting like charges after charges after charges for like speeding and um, I ended up having my house raided Um, 
which was really actually quite traumatising because I hadn't changed anything in the house since Michael had died mm-hmm. in Iceland. I would have just gone through everything. Yeah. 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 And then they're like, um, like I had a bloody towel that I'd slept with as well, like every yeah. night. And he was like, oh, why are you sleeping with this? And I was like, why is anything in the house the way you yeah. like, like, yeah. um, So that was really, really hard. Um, and I spent some time um, in the lockup until I got bailed out by um, one of my dads, um, which was nice of him to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I had um, bail conditions and curfew and I was, yeah, released on, uh, I think it was, yeah, 15,000 bail, 15,000 surety. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really nice. But, yeah, the curfew wasn't nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to be home at, like, 7 p.m., like, in mile up. So it meant I had to, like, leave Bunbury pretty early and, yeah, it was really isolating and um, it didn't mm-hmm. help my drug use, but I kept dealing. Okay. Which was dumb because they're, like, sitting back like, yeah, let's keep watching her. Like, let's just keep seeing what she does. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, they'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll never fucking know. <laughs> but um, it was, yeah, they would knock at all hours, I think, just to torment me because um, the times that I did need to crash and go to sleep when I'd been up for days – like I was so scared that I'd miss that door knock and go to jail, right. mm-hmm. you know. So um, like I answered the door with no pants at one time and like they'd always tell me how, how shit I looked and right. they weren't very nice. Um, I guess they mm. didn't have to be but mm. um, it was, yeah, it was really traumatic. So then I just moved um, a couple of times. I got kicked out of that mile-up house, mm-hmm. like bailiff evicted. All right. So even worse again for my bloody rental reference, because like, mm. that was a bit of a miracle grab, that one. Mm-hmm. So that I'd lost, yeah, but I got as much out as I could, but I'd lost a bunch of, like, appliances and furniture and, you know, just things that you need um, mm-hmm. in a house. And, um, yeah, went from a few more houses um, with my bail conditions and finally got through court and and did all right. I had a lawyer, so that was nice. Um, and the money that the police had seized just went to my lawyer. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lawyers. lawyers. Lawyers are very good like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always yeah, get paid. at securing money. They always get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you can keep your drug money, but actually you'll have to pay me. Like that's all right. And, you yeah. know, I didn't go to jail. Um, so that's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did the POP program. So I had to go for, like, urinalysis and, um, like, sign in at the courthouse. Nobody told me about that part, though, so I kind of got in trouble because I didn't – I wasn't doing that for a, for a little bit. Right. Um, and um, I think, yeah, I still had the curfew for that while, but I was faking urinalysis. Okay. Um, which was gross, but so I was – you have to buy urine off somebody, clean urine or – Yeah, I just swapped drugs for it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, um, yeah. so I got through court because it looked like I was doing the right thing and then I was pregnant um, at the end of it um, and, yeah, promising to turn my life around and all that, saying all the right things, mm-hmm. looking like I'm doing all the right things when I wasn't quite there yet and I mm-hmm. wasn't ready to be there yet. So then, um, yeah, I was barefoot and pregnant yeah. <laughs> um didn't have a home um uh, after i got off my bowel conditions I, my um older brother was pretty sick of it sick of my shit okay. <laughs> and he's like you can't have drugs in my house man like and i was mm. like i can yeah. <laughs> what <do> I want? <laughs> so yeah i um that was the last place i'd used for like my bowels so now that i didn't have it anymore i was i was off because i wanted to be free and he was yeah he was a bit done with it yeah and that's um, not long after that is when the Yarloop fires came around um, and I was living in Benning Up at the time. So um, that was pretty scary. Um, mm-hmm. But it, in the end it actually helped clear out the caravan park so I was able to get a caravan, um, gave birth to my baby. Um, I'd quit at seven months, um, which is not ideal, but, I, you know, I got there. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, you know, I breastfed and all the all the good things that you're meant to do, and mm-hmm. I was still selling though. Okay, mm-hmm. so and I was still around. Like as I was in the hospital, I was lining up, 
like, you know, getting more gear and rolling it over, I, you know, brought my cash with me into the maternity ward. Like, um, you know, I still needed that money to survive survive and Mm. get by. Um, So it wasn't ideal. And then, yeah, um, I ended up getting back on the drugs again. But I'd found another house, Mm -hmm. private rental. So that was cool. Um, So I moved into there and the partner I was with at the time was another violent person, um, my eldest father. Um, And I ended up having to kick him out because he um, tried to kill us with an axe, me and the baby. So um, I was like, oh, not this shit again. Mm. (laughs) I'm not doing it again. Not again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I managed to get him out. um, And then it was just me and my boy. And I kept selling and I kept selling. And um, it was really getting me down, um, living so shit. And my mental health was like kaput. Mm -hmm. Um, I was using a shitload. Um, I'd gone through a twin pregnancy that I um, that I couldn't go through with, mm-hmm. okay. which was devastating. Yep. Um, and, like, that in itself was, like, that haunts me still. Mm-hmm. Um, but my drug use at the time, like, it was just, like, I probably shouldn't have even had my the one child that I already had in my care. Like, he was still getting fed and things, but I was not in any shape to be, you know, parenting. Yep. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, made some difficult decisions there. Um, and, yeah, I feel really sad about that a lot. But um, I had to keep moving, you know, I had to keep moving on. Mm-hmm. And then I... Um, met another person and um, things weren't always great with with me and him and um, like he never hurt me or anything but he um, put me down a fair bit at the end um, which I didn't appreciate so um, I end up splitting with him after a bit Um, but that's who I got pregnant like as as we were deciding to end things like we found out I was pregnant and I was like fuck Mm. <laughs> what timing? Mm. What timing? Yeah. Sorry, but we 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 I think we stuck it out for like five or six months, and then we're like, this is not working, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but the day that I found out that I was pregnant with that one, I quit everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I quit meth and I quit cigarettes. Um, I didn't really drink anyway because I'd always forget that I had a drink, like you do on meth. Like yeah. you just forget yeah. everything. You like, everything. Yeah. yeah, potato. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was probably. He was probably, yeah, my saving grace, that one. Like, well, my other child has been amazing mm-hmm. um, and, like, I've worked really hard for him to give him all that he needs. But, um, I, yeah, my youngest really pushed me over the edge there with getting, with stopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't easy because um, there was still, you know, drugs in, in the vicinity and um, it wasn't ideal. But um, I really I knuckled down and I just, I did it at home. Like, I didn't have rehab I didn't go to NA I didn't really know any options that I had like you know I had these kids like mm-hmm. um, I don't think I had a license again at the time because of you know driving mm-hmm. charges or driving under the influence or whatever mm-hmm. so I just really had to like dig deep yeah so mm-hmm. it's your own motivation yeah yeah mm. uh, yeah it was like a really do or die at that point because I was like man the, where's the person that I used to be like you know, I used to be so pretty and, um, like, my skin at the time was, like, so bad. Mm-hmm. It was so bad and, like, I had this big matted dreadlock on the back of my mm-hmm. head that I had to get someone to cut out because, like, there was just the lack of self-care, you know, right. was all gone. I wasn't doing anything that I enjoyed ever um, and my kids needed me mm-hmm. to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. Um and now here I am. <laughs> so, so what what age were you at this stage when you you fell pregnant for the second time? So Riley is like two years and seven months. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've been clean now for almost yeah, sometime within the next month or so. I didn't write down the date. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be three years clean. Three mm-hmm. years, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so, mm-hmm. doing that um, pro- make that process of 
you know, getting yourself off meth. Mm. Uh, how long did that take? Well, I just stopped. Okay. So it was like a cold turkey. Uh, yeah, cold turkey. Right, Oof. okay. And there was no relapses or any of that sort of stuff? No. Okay, no, that's no. good. No. Nah. Yeah. I think I tried to smoke a cigarette again, yeah. but then I was like, oh, I'm going to spew like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it stinks. But the I end. say ex-smokers are far worse than people who've never smoked in terms of hating Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used to, yeah, I used to smoke cigarettes a lot, but um, Mm. yeah, once I'd quit smoking anything, then um, that was, that was it. Okay. Hi, we hope you're enjoying this episode. If you have a minute and enjoy the conversations we bring you, it'd be great if you could go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review. Not only do we love to get your feedback, but it also helps other people to find us. Thank you, and now back to the show. And so, where did, where does Dawes fit into all of this? This in this this yeah, yeah, timeline? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd known about you. Dawes um, because of the the lady that ran it back then. Um, her son, I'd had contact with him. I'd sold him drugs. He owed me money. Still does. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so like I know that. Um, yeah, he told me about it and. Like at one point he was like, oh, my mum didn't really want me coming out to your house, you know, because she knows what you like. And I was like, wow, rude. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you here then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I'd kept it in mind that it was a place that I could go, but I didn't end up actually going there until I was doing my cert three in community services. Um, and I wanted really to um, go into a sector where I could use – what I'd just been through um, and everything like that, just stuff that was going to come organically for me. I wanted to to go into a sector that was going to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the option of doors came up as work placement and I was like, yep, yes, please, I will, I will go there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did my work placement there, which was really interesting. Um, and, yeah, um, built a bit of a relationship with them from that point. Um, mm-hmm. but and do you think it, like, it helped um, having people that had kind of been through at least somewhat similar things to you as well? Yeah, I think so, like, in ways. But, but like, I've always, like I said before, I always felt really, really alone. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like nobody really understood my story mm-hmm. um, and the trauma and the grief that I would went through. But... Um, I think everyone's story is their own and I don't think anyone's ever going to 100% understand anyone's journey. Yeah. But um, I met some really cool people um, through there, uh, definitely. And then, um, you know, when, yeah, with the structures sort of changed with um, who was running Doors Wide Open um, and the, the new Housing First program sort of came up, I was like, you know what, I might... Might give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't like the idea of like working behind a desk or mm-hmm. um, having like a clinical yeah. setting where they, you know, sit across from each other and, yeah. you know, write out this recovery plan. Like this is what we're going to do. And More yeah. informal. Yeah, yeah, like I wanted, yeah, people to be able to lead their own recoveries sort of like I did um, in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a, yeah, a person-centred approach yeah. around how they want to run it and not be told. So, yeah, I jumped straight in. Yeah. And, um, like, yeah, because you're in, like, the housing first. Do you think the fact that you originally started in real estate kind of drew you into that? Like, there's a lot about houses here. Because when you're saying, oh, yeah, it's it's combining, you know, your life experience and the study that you're doing now with, like, the housing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Shit, yeah. Shit, yeah. I love housing. Yeah. Ticking every box. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. You mentioned um, right at the beginning that you had a bit of experience being either homeless or having unstable housing. Mm. Yeah. So what stage of the story you've just sort of told us? So after court finished after my trial was over and um I wasn't bailed to anywhere I didn't have a curfew and all that everything I was you know free um yeah I moved out of my brother's because I was just sort of couch surfing there that whole time Mm -hmm. well not the whole time but that last part um and I was living out of my car um and sort of when I could when when this partner that I had at the time the other one with the (laughs) axe when yeah he would be in the right mood then I could sleep there 
mm-hmm. um, but I never was able to like move in there or anything. So it was, I just sort of had yeah my car and my yeah. my little dog and my cat and my belly. <laughs> yep. Wow, yeah. that's quite a way to to go through pregnancy, hey? Yeah, it was pretty yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And how long did that last for? That, that nine period? months usually pregnancies. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, oh, honestly, I'm not. I'm not too sure how long that lasted. Um, when did I get out of court? I can't even remember when court finished. I feel like it was in November. Yeah. And then the Yarlick fires came through in f- January or February. So it was definitely around then. Yeah. This, yeah. The summer. Yeah. And then um, a few weeks after that was getting the caravan. Mm-hmm. So. A little bit of time, like nothing like some of the people I've met um, doing the work that I do. There's people out there that have been homeless like 30 years. Mm. Yeah. So um, I think I got off lucky and I had a car. It was just mm. a like Nissan Navara with a bench seat. But like that was a bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still a place some, to stay. some form of shelter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just to bring the story to its conclusion, wh- wh- where are you at these days and, you know, what's your circumstances? Well, I have a much better car now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got a reliable car that I'm able to afford, you know, to get serviced and keep on the road. Like I can actually drive legally now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And like I don't, you know, don't shit myself as much when I get pulled over. I still do a little bit because it's quite traumatizing that whole time i think yeah a bit triggering right yeah a bit triggering Mm. but um yeah so there's that i've got stable accommodation like i've got a rental um that's secure um i've got a nice house um with my two kids the kids have everything they need Mm -hmm. and yeah i've done three certificates in the last 18 months Mm -hmm. um and i've just signed up for a diploma Mm -hmm. um do you still have your cat and dog no, they both oh, died. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got some new cats, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but they're definitely not as cool <laughs> as mm-hmm. as my own. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but no, I'm doing so much better. And like, I remember, like when I when I first get clean and like you know months would pass and I'm like, man, I can't believe how good I'm feeling or how much better it's gotten since then. And then mm. more months would pass and I'm like, how is it getting better still? Mm-hmm. Like, how is it getting so good? You yeah. know, how the hell did I yeah. not? Remember how good it was yeah. to not feel like shit every day. Yeah. And do mm. you have um, family and social support yeah. now as well? Yeah, Yeah. because um, that sort of got a little bit terrorised during um, my drug use. But, mm. no, I've rebuilt um, really good family relationships mm. um, again. And, yeah, nobody's scared to have me at their house. And mm. That's great. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, and what about your colleague that yeah. took you? How... How are they? Are they okay? I haven't kept in contact, but I know yeah. they had counselling around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they've um, started a family of their own and oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. are doing okay. But, okay. Um, yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't keep contact because I thought... Understandable. I thought, yeah, for them it would be triggering mm-hmm. to yeah. have me around. Yeah. yeah, if they were in touch with you, that would be a different thing, but you didn't want to... I didn't want to. Put them yeah. through that if yeah. they didn't want to yeah. 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 Well, Miranda, it's been fascinating mm. and... Um, you know, re- yeah, just mind blowing to listen to your story. It's, 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 yeah, it's really interesting to kind of hear like a, like a female's perspective, on yeah, things like that. Because yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at the stats and stuff, a lot of the stats kind of say that like drug users, it's like seventy percent male yeah. as well. Yeah. So a very male dominated place. Yeah. Um, but also that doesn't capture everything. It doesn't. It no. really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. Um, yeah. yeah. So, it, yeah, it's been and really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, And it's amazing that you were able to, to tell us what, you know, some the of these details. The fact that you went cold turkey, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like not many people can do that, I, I will say. Yeah, honestly, like that, yeah, because there was a lot of people that believed I would never make it out yeah. of addiction, mm. you know, that was just going to be Miranda. Mm. That's yeah. just how she is now. But, yeah, yeah so. Yeah. No. no, well, hats awesome. off to you and you know, long may it last. <laughs> yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Cool. And that was our conversation with Miranda from Doors Wide Open. I will say after this conversation, um, I, you probably can notice during the actual recording, I was very overwhelmed just about how much she was willing to share uh, mm. and all the, the journeys that she's been through. Uh, so 
it is such a privilege to feel and to hear these stories and let them have a platform yeah. to speak. That's yeah. It is. It does give you goosebumps. Yeah. Um, just the seriousness, you know, and kind of the I guess the situations that the all these guys that, and girls that we spoke to down Everyone there find themselves series. in, mm. um, and the way they've managed to not not only keep it together but come out the other side and move on to better things you know and get get to a better place and do things that actually help people as well like i don't know if i went through something like that i'd be like yeah screw people (laughs) like i'm not helping them anymore because they suck (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah yeah it's crazy it's yeah yeah you know and we we did actually say to miranda after we stopped recording that we were astounded at how composed she was yeah recounting some of those events that she's just spoken about absolutely um but yeah, we hope you enjoyed this conversation and um, got something out of it. And yeah, look, we you know we'll provide links in the show notes if you want to if Absolutely. you want to find out more about the services that that get mentioned and and you know the place where Miranda works and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, happy to obviously take any feedback. Um, so if you want to get in touch, you can email us at meaningofhealth@outlook.com, and you can tweet us at health means what. Uh, yeah. yeah, please chat to us, um, particularly if you do have any feelings or, or stories you want to share that maybe um, have provoked memories from this particular chat or some of our previous podcasts. We know this is probably our our most, uh, what's the word? Most intense. Intense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were all pretty intense. They are all pretty intense. By the end of the day, we were pooped. Uh- <laughs> there were cer- yeah, certainly a few things that got talked about in this one that were that were quite serious yeah so you're more than welcome to reach out we can have a chat um uh yeah with our twitter and our email account yeah and we'll be back in your feed with another episode soon the meaning of health podcast is produced with the support of the education enhancement unit and the school of population and global health at the university of western australia the podcast is produced by craig cumming and courtney weber with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.